0: The Optimal Life.
1: So, Kat, we were just talking before we went on, and you said that uh, you had so much success with your prior books um, that people were actually reaching out to you directly and saying, hey, you've helped me grieve through the loss of a a human loss. Can you write something that would help me or my children grieve through the loss of an animal loss? Talk about that.
0: Yeah. So Lacey and I, we work together um, in the funeral industry. She's a funeral director um, and I work through on the insurance side of things but uh, anyways we had wrote a set of books to help children during the funeral process and so in those books we show what a visitation funeral graveside service might look like starting the conversation that a family member's passed away and then we also get into grieving and mourning activities that kids can do individually or as a family and so we did that and then um So many families have just been so appreciative of that and reached out and said, Hey, can you do a pet version? And kind of over and over heard that. And after losing both my Great Danes last year, I I really felt like we really needed to do it and seeing my son go through the loss of our pets and stuff. So, and Lacey also experienced loss within her family with pets. And we just really felt like it was time, time to do it. So
1: so how do those two situations compare to each other? Losing a loved one and a human versus losing an animal. What are some of the similarities that right off the rip that you're going to experience when it comes to mourning the loss?
0: Well, it, um, no matter which direction it is, it's still a loss. So you're grieving. And anytime you're you're losing something, you, you do have that grieving period. Um, with humans, every loss is so different as far as how connected your child was to that person. Um, you know, if it was a grandparent, if they were older, younger, an accident, um, if it's a, a sibling or parent or some of those more difficult relationships, um, they're, they're going to be a lot tougher. But um, in our books, it is a grandparent, so kind of a, a more natural death and same with the pet version. We also have the aging progression in there There, with our Great Danes. You could definitely see their um, deterioration in their health and some of their physical things. So my son, he'd get really frustrated when they'd have an accident or they didn't want to play. They didn't want to really do anything. And so we incorporate some of that in the book. So it is a little bit more natural type deaths that we've um Kind of tackled i guess but you know the the pets are a little bit different in that they're not human you don't have quite the same relationship as far as communication and talking and and having that back and forth but we're also very close to our pets and in some ways they're our best friends too so um Mm. you know they're definitely different um but you definitely have that grief that that happens on both sides
1: Right. The, the, the level of intensity of the grief might not be quite as much uh, as the loss of a human, but it's still grief and it's still painful and it still hurts. And especially children. I mean, children don't necessarily even know their emotions yet or how to compartmentalize those emotions. So when they lose something for the first time, even if it's a pet, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that could be pretty uh, that could that could rock that child. Correct.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um it, it, you think about it, they live with that pet every single day. They interact with them. Um you know, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, it can definitely be really devastating. Um and and I guess in our books too at the end, they wait a while, but in the end they end up loving again and and showing kids that you know, there's there's more love out there. So, even if you do experience a loss at some point, Um, It's okay
1: to love again. Mm. Don't be scared to open your heart up again, Mm -hmm. because that's what something that that is probably very common when people lose something for the first time. It's like, I don't want to feel this again. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm just going
1: to shell up. I I don't even I'm not going to even go down this path of love. What is all this? Yeah. And as I'm saying this, we finally have Lacey, who I think is joining us. But uh, we'll see. I am
2: not via video, but I got on the phone.
1: (laughs) Well, welcome, Lacey welcome we're talking uh cat and i are, are are talking we just st- started a few minutes ago and we're talking about um you, you kind of how how it evolved from um where cat's books were initially about losing a loved one and how to, children can cope versus now losing a, an animal and how people had really been reaching out saying hey can you put something together that, that involves the loss of a, of a pet because We think that there's a gap in the market, uh, let's say, and our kids could really use it. Um, But one thing I noticed, Kat, that that um, that you talk about, which I'd like to dig into this is because you guys talk about how children can prepare for, comprehend and cope with the loss of a of a pet, an upcoming loss. You're talking about preparation. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably a very different approach than dealing with the loss of a human life. If so, is that true? And if so, how do you go about that?
0: Well, in the book, um, the young girl, she is afraid that she's not going to say goodbye or be able to say goodbye to their pet. Um, she knows that she's sick and, and dying, but she doesn't know exactly when that's going to happen. And that can be true for humans as well. When my mom was uh, sick, she had cancer and she was passing away. Um, we had that time to say goodbye and um, it definitely was nice to be able to say goodbye. And in the pet version, um, the little girl, she says goodbye to Bella every single day because she doesn't know when that last moment's going to be. And she's very interested and wants to be part of it. And Lacey and I, we've talked a lot about this uh, as far as letting the child kind of lead in how involved they want to really be. And so I really tried to do that with my son. And Lacey, I know you've experienced some recent loss with your pets. And yes. yeah, do you want to talk a little bit on your side about that? Yeah, yeah.
2: So um, one of the things that was really interesting that we just recently experienced, so we are um, little Yorkie. We had to put him down back last August. And just a couple of months ago, we decided it was time and we were ready and we adopted another dog. And a few weeks after getting him, my 11 year old daughter um, was crying and she was just super sad and just kind of having a rough time. And I said, honey, what's wrong? And she goes, well, I feel guilty. And I'm like, what do you mean you feel guilty? And she goes, well, if I love this new dog, does that mean that I didn't love Layla? And I said, oh, honey, not at all. I said, we have enough love in our hearts to love many animals, and it's okay. And so I thought that was kind of a neat kind of grief moment that she had.
1: No, absolutely. That That's a very yep. common theme, I believe. It's like you don't absolutely, want to. You, you almost feel it's like a survivor's remorse. You're feeling guilty for... Uh, Moving on, moving on, and you're not going to honor the memory of this beautiful pet that was a big part of your life. I, I could see that being a, right. a really challenging thing for kids. So, how do you guys do? You guys address that in your writings?
0: Um, well, and that, um, I, go ahead. That's part of the reason why we end up having the family adopt a new pet. And so, you know, hopefully promoting pet adoption, but also, you know, opening up their hearts to having a new pet and how they tie the old pet to the new pet is, um, Bella was the name of the old pet and they decided to have it rhyme with the pet. So the new one is Stella. And so it kind of links back to the pet and trying to honor and remember them, um, my son, he wants to name all of the new pets, the pet's name that our, our old pets were, I guess. So he wants to have <laughs> a, a new dog named Carmela, a new dog named Meadow. to got to, got to carry him. on that,
1: that family name.
0: Right. Wants right. to carry right. family name because he is kind of like the fourth generation of his name. And so, um, it, you know, he kind of made that connection that he really wanted to try and carry on that name. Um, So that was part of the reason why we incorporated that into the book. But interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You you know, you mentioned that uh, one of the things that you think helped in the mourning process was kind of preparing each day you guys were preparing your child to ultimately say goodbye to this animal because you knew the animal was on its last life. Um, What about back to humans, though? Is that something that if you know that somebody's sick? Based on your experience, would you recommend the same approach whether it's a child or adult, continuously kind Absolutely. of saying you would you would recommend that?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, and that's kind of the reason why we did these books too, to help families with opening the door to have a conversation. I think death is feared by a lot of people. You know, we just, it's unknown and and it's just, it can be a very scary and fearful time and being able to talk about it, I have found really can help whether it's a human and an adult or a child and whether it's a pet or, you know, like I said, a human, um, a lot of similarities between both, but having that conversation and being open and talking about it can really make a difference.
1: What kind of similarity, what what, what kind of, um, is there a common theme Lacey across the board? You've been directing funerals now for 20, almost 20 years. Yeah. Uh, is there a common theme where these people come and, and you hear them talking or they're talking directly to you and they say, I wish I would have, Fill in the blank. What what do they usually say when somebody's gone?
2: Had a conversation. You know, talk
1: talked about things a little more. They regret not having more open dialogue. Right. More open dialogue. Yep. Mm. What do you say to those folks when they're opening their heart to you and they're in a very raw state?
2: You know, I tell people you do the best you can in the situation you're in and we're all trying to navigate through life and we don't know what we're doing. And, you know, we do the best we can we make the best choices we can in the situation and, and go from there. You know, you got to let there, there can be a lot of guilt associated with many things, you know, when someone passes and I tell people, don't beat yourself up, be kind to yourself and understand that you're learning and you're, you know, going through a tough emotional time.
1: mm. And grief is a sign of love. Absolutely. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not feeling grief, it means that you didn't truly love? Is that, is that a fair statement?
2: Well, I, I, I wouldn't, don't know if I'd go quite that far. I mean, there's, there's a lot of complicated emotions that surround it, you know.
1: So what are the, some of the things that you guys are doing? What do, what do, somebody loses a loved one. Okay. You guys have been doing this for a long time. What are some things that you tell people, Hey, here's where you need to start so that you can get yourself back on track. Is there anything?
0: Well, one thing that I did when my mom passed away, it was pretty difficult. That was almost 20 years ago. I was 22 years old. I took care of her until she died. And um, it was just really emotional that she was 56 years old and died. Mm -hmm. And, um, one, probably the most helpful thing that I ever did throughout my grieving process, the last almost 20 years was every mother's day. I plant flowers for my mom in honor of her. And that was one of our last memories together on mother's day. She felt well enough to go with me and pick up flowers. We planted flowers and had ice cream and stuff like that. So for me, that was one of the best ways that I could honor her and remember her every year, because you have those dates that can be pretty triggering. Like I would think, Oh, I'm doing really well. Well, then it would be mother's day. And then you see on Facebook, everyone, Oh, my mom, I love my mom. And, you know, I'm just sitting there crying (laughs) because missing my mom and, um, you know, thought I was just doing really well. So you kind of have those trigger dates, holidays, birth dates, things like that, that, um, yeah. that, that, especially so. the
1: first, right. Right.
0: Yep. Exactly. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those
1: first are always extremely painful. I would imagine too, that one thing that you guys have experienced is that a lot of parents probably have difficulty having these conversations with their own children. Absolutely. So what are you telling them? How, how are you helping them navigate? Besides that? Hey, read the book. We, we right. I mean, right. But, but how are you helping them in, in that regard?
2: Yeah, what I kind of always said is let your child lead the way. They're, you know, they're they're going to understand more than what we probably give them credit for for one. And they're usually satisfied with more simple answers. We feel like we need to give some big elaborate explanation for something and they're typically satisfied with a, you know, a more simple answer, but and they'll ask more questions if they have more questions. But letting them kind of lead on on what they want to know and, and what they want to talk about, can be very helpful.
1: So they lead by saying, uh, I'm scared, mom. I'm scared. I'm, uh, I'm fearful. This feeling is extremely uncomfortable. I, I never want to feel this way again. What, what do you say?
2: Yep. Let them know that you understand and that it's okay to feel your feelings, feel them for as long as you need to, but don't stay there. You know, but I, I always say, you know, it's okay to be sad. If you're feeling sad, be sad for those moments. You know, if you're feeling frustrated or angry or guilty, you know, feel those for those moments and then work through it.
1: Right. Don't run from those feelings. Um, right. In order or to pretend get that them.
0: they're not there, you know, cause they are there.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: And so, one, go ahead. That um, just happened the other day. My son, he was really missing one of our dogs and he said, I feel really sad. So we identified that emotion. We talked about it and um, decided to do something about it. So um, we tried to do something positive and hung a picture on the wall of his dog and talked about it and um, just tried to, you know, actually do something beyond just the conversation.
1: Was your own pain greater than, equal to, or less than the pain of you guys losing a pet? Was your own individual pain more intense, equal to, or less intense than the pain you felt seeing your children so distraught? <laughs> I'm going to say it. it I yeah, it's
2: different. I don't know if you can quantitatively, you know, kind of say it like that. But I mean, for me, it's just it's a, it's a different type of of pain, you know, for myself versus watching
1: my child. Lacey, how do you articulate that your pain versus yeah. watching your own? I know it's hard. It's, it's a hard thing. But because uh,
2: I think it, as parents, you want to protect your kids and you want to do everything you can so that they don't feel that pain, you wow. know? And where like, for me, I feel like I can handle it. I, you know, I, I know how to process things or I feel, you know, I feel like I have better coping skills than maybe, maybe
1: my kids do at times. Mm-hmm. Is that the same way you felt Kat?
0: Um, yeah, I definitely want to protect my son and not want him to feel hurt and pain. Um, but I, I think the the grief was probably a little bit different. Uh, Carmel and each dog was a little bit different. Carmella, I was a lot closer to, she was a certified pet therapy dog. So I volunteered with her in our community with kids and, um, spent a lot of time training her, working with her and, um, metal just wasn't quite as social. And so I think we had kind of a different bond. And so I, I feel even between the two pets, that my grief was even different and not that I didn't love metal or anything because I totally did. It just, it was a a different bond that we had. And I think that's okay too. And and even with humans, you might have a different bond with a certain grandma or grandpa, not that you didn't love that person, but you might cry a little bit harder. You might have a little bit more difficult time just because that relationship is different. Every relationship um, out there is different.
1: Based on your guys' experiences, do you think it's, is it more difficult to plan and prepare that long, slow death, regardless of whether it's a human or an animal? Hey, this is going on for months and months and months. You're preparing and it finally happens. Or is it it harder for the shock and all kind of death where the animal gets run over by a car unexpectedly one day?
2: Yeah, I think it's diff- I think both situations are 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 difficult for different reasons, you know. Um, and the same can apply for you know a, a human life as well. You know, the the sudden one, it's unexpected. Um, so the grief is going to be, you know, kind of fast. Set, you know, it's going to come on fast when when it's uh, when you know ahead of time that someone is dying, uh, or they have a terminal illness, that or an, a pet too, you know. Um, then you're, you're kind of sad and in, in that pain. And, and for a long, you know, feels like a, a longer extended period of time before the passing actually happens.
0: Mm.
2: So I think they're difficult just in different ways.
1: What's can something they, on What's go ahead, Kat. Did, were you saying something? I was
0: just going to say that the emotions that come out can be a little bit different too with my mom, because it was such a long drawn out process when she died it was a relief. And I was so happy for her that she was no longer suffering. Mm, um, absolutely. Yeah. With my grandma, when it was, I just talked to her a few minutes ago and then suddenly she's dead. It, it was shock mm, and right. almost like denial. Like, I can't believe this. I just talked to her. Wow. And, um, you know, so for me, it was different emotions that really came out depending on the type of death.
1: That makes total sense. It's not one size fits all, clearly.
0: No, and right. yeah, each person is completely different, and each death and relationship, I believe, is so different. You guys, this
1: is fun. I don't usually get to interview two people at the same time, especially one that's not even on the screen. This is great.
2: <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. This is
1: interesting. So um, one thing I w- I'm curious, w- what's something unexpected that you guys have in a positive way? What's something po- uh, unexpected that you guys coming together and, and putting these books out there? Are there some benefits that you didn't even anticipate that you've experienced?
2: Well, I think one thing that we've kind of talked about is we, there's been a fair number of adults who have come to us and said, your children's book not only helped my child, but helped me as well. Mm. And that's been something that we weren't really expecting to happen.
1: So those feelings, that's got to be a riveting feeling. Those emotional rewards for you guys, like, hey, we're impacting everybody in the family, not just the child. Right.
0: Yep. Yep. It's kind of a little blessing in there. Yep.
1: Kat, would you echo the same thing or do you have something else?
0: Yeah, that was probably the most surprising thing that ended up happening. We would uh, you know, have family members reach out and say thank you so much. I didn't even know where to start or how to start the conversation um or we're bringing our child to a funeral for the very first time and it's just I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how to do any of that. And some parents had never even been to a funeral themselves if their parents had really sheltered them. Um, So they might not have even known what to expect either. And so that was definitely an eye opener for us and a surprise.
1: Goodbye, Bella, a pet loss story. This is the book we're talking about. Um, But you guys have also uh written several others, I believe together. What's this? Uh, uh, you guys collaborated on the book in loving memory. Yep. So what's that book about in loving memory?
0: So in loving memory, um, that is a set of books that kind of show the journey of a child who's going through a loss. So her grandma passes away. The parents have the conversation, letting her know that the grandma's passed away They end up letting her kind of lead through the process of how involved she wants to be, if she wants to view grandma, if she wants to get up and talk about her grandma, um, not pushing her in any direction, um, but it shows a visitation, a funeral, a graveside service. And then it also gets into some grieving and mourning activities that they can do individually and as a family, you know, and, and it could be just simple things that you do with your kids, maybe baking um, grandpa's favorite birthday cake on his birthday and honoring and remembering him him by having chocolate cake on his birthday and, and trying to kind of have a positive spin on it. Um, and then we also did a cremation version just because visually what you see is so different um, so you, the conversation is different, least like you could probably attest to this, where did the body go versus seeing the body? So mm. actually seeing the body is a little bit more natural than explaining where the body went.
2: Right. And that was one thing that we when we were kind of looking to see what was out there for children and, and books and whatnot, we couldn't find really any books that really depicted a funeral per se. We couldn't find any books that showed, you know, a loved one in a casket. So we had that illustrated out in the book. Oh, wow. Um and yep. And then we also have it illustrated in the other book, an urn showing an urn versus the body in a casket.
1: Is there an age that you guys old. would consider too young for a child to go see an open casket? And if so, what's the age?
2: No, I don't think there's any risk. Rest- my personal opinion is I don't feel there there should be any age restriction on there.
0: And the the books are geared for like age four to 10. Um, but, you know, taking your kids to the funeral and things like that, um, you know, I remember my first funeral and no one explained anything to me about it. And so I was probably maybe three and I didn't understand why my mom was crying and it was kind of scary. So if somebody would have prepared me for that, just reading a book to me and saying, Hey, this is what's going to happen. Um, this is the person that died. They're no longer alive they might look a little bit different than they did when they were alive and just starting those conversations um it would have gone a long ways versus well i'm scared because i don't know what's wrong
1: mm. you know every right. book every movie every show people always have a, seem to have a, a common uh, agreement like hey this scene was the best or this moment was the best oh my god i can't i won't forget about this part is there a part in the book whether we're talking goodbye, Bella, or even the in loving memory where when people come up to you, it's constantly across the board. This moment in the book really changed my life. And if so, what, what, what's something that, that really stands out
2: for me again, it's the, it's the having grandma in her casket in our first book in loving memory um, having that illustrated out. We hadn't seen that before. Well, we, we just talked
1: about most- That's, that's a big one.
0: Yep. Mm. Yep. Yep. Probably a, a couple other things that I've received feedback on is the endings of the book. Um, in the the funeral ones, um, they make a scrapbook, and at the end, the mom is talking, and basically, Grandma's favorite person was the child. and in that kind of um, made people cry a little bit in some ways that, you know, our loved ones love us. And and even though they're far away, they they're always going to love us. Mm -hmm. Um, So trying to kind of keep that connection going.
1: How do you come together to write a, how how do you guys do this? What's the process? shifting away from uh, all this sad stuff. What's the process in terms of you guys, Kat and Lacey, they come together from two different worlds. And you guys start putting out these incredible materials together. How do you guys get there? Start, middle, finish.
0: Well, one of the things we did um, was I sat down with Lacey and we talked about all the things that, as a funeral director, she wished families knew. As a mom, as a as a first time um, parent for other people, or first time families coming in for a funeral, what do you wish they would know? And what are the things that we want people to be able to learn from our books? And just really trying to get the concepts of what we wanted. And then from there, really getting it into a word format that's simple, easy to explain, um, easy to read, easy to comprehend, and then just outstanding illustrations that Even without the words, you could probably understand what the whole books are about.
1: Lacey?
2: Yep, I definitely, definitely agree with that for sure. Um, Yeah, so we we met and um, you know, I knew Kat was a, a children's author and she of course knew I was a funeral director and we just happened you know, just in conversation. It was like, you know, there's not a lot out there for kids, you know, for, for grief or for, you know, anything like this. And uh, maybe that's something we need to do. And we started the conversation and we just visited more and more and it, it sort of just evolved into what
0: we have now.
1: Who needs Dr. Seuss when we have you guys? <laughs>
0: Well, and and some of the inspiration is Mr. Rogers. As a child, he was very real and very factual. And um, it wasn't this abstract, like uh, purple dinosaurs and different things like that. And with our books, it's very realistic, but not in a scary way. It's very calm and um, soft, I would say but very real with um, video games and TV and stuff. Death kind of is confusing for young children or it was for my son with video games where you kill people and they die or all, all these other things. And one of the ways that we would talk about is, well, did they have a funeral for that person? Well, that probably wasn't real. You know, with we love people, we honor them, we remember them, we come together. There's a purpose for a funeral. There's a purpose for um grieving.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's the desensitization of uh video games. And then all of a sudden you have somebody that you lose when you're a child or an, a pet or a human. And you go, this is not what it felt like when that guy got shot and killed in the game.
0: Yeah. Right. And Lacey, maybe even talking a little bit about why funerals are important instead of just avoiding it. Oh, I don't want to go to something that's sad. I don't want to see sad people or um, I see that and hear that a lot. Um,
1: Lacey, just- do you feel that do you feel that people that avoid the funeral ultimately struggle tenfold or whatever the the, the multiple is as they go on and yeah. try to the loss?
2: Absolutely. So I think, you know, of course, we're all different and our needs are all different. But I think, you know, statistically, they say that, you know, studies have shown that um, if you, you know, avoiding isn't always the best, you know, trying to pretend that the emotions are there or not going because it's going to be too sad, not engaging in the difficult situation um, is more detrimental, actually. And so approaching it and Feel, like I said, feeling your emotions, feeling what you need to feel, allowing yourself, give yourself that space and time to process everything um, right away rather than just push it down and not deal with it definitely mm. can be.
1: Yeah, that makes know, a ton of sense. You know, it makes a ton of sense.
2: Right. I had a professor in college that always said that, you know, um, avoiding and, you know, pretending just isn't typically the best route to go.
0: And creating that system or support system, basically, throughout your grieving journey, the people that attend the funeral, that's part of your support system. Those are the people that you can turn to and talk to, and they're grieving too. So you have this bond of grief of the same loss and um, definitely can be useful to connect with those people
1: Yeah, it's no different than face. I always say face your problems head on because if you try to run from them and avoid them, they'd manifest in such nasty ways later on. This is somewhat similar, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, Phenomenal stuff, you guys. This is really interesting. I did want to ask what's the most challenging thing about co authoring a book together? Probably
2: the physical distance between us. (laughs)
0: yeah that, that makes that, sense. yeah it, like, see, she's a couple hours away from me, and um you know, just coordinating things like this or or writing the books, you know it takes a lot of time and coordination to do all those. How things.
1: long did it take you guys from start to finish to to put out goodbye Bella?
0: <laughs> well, uh with the the first books, that was about a year from start to finish and COVID was thrown in there. So Lacey was extremely busy during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so that was interesting, but we, with Goodbye Bella, it went a little bit faster because we, um, it it just went faster, I guess. Lacey's
1: Lacey's in a very procession proof, uh, recession proof business. Um, A little bit. (laughs) Just the way it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, is uh, this is awesome stuff. All know we'll Say that again.
2: Oh, I said death is one thing that we all know that we will experience some sometime. You know, it's the one kind of guarantee in life is that, yeah, our physical bodies die.
1: Yes. And it's the the hardest thing for us to all deal with, which is why the impact you guys are having through your, your work is is really uh, incredible stuff. So um, where can people find you guys? Uh, book links online, social media, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So we have a website, catsocks.com, K-A-T-S-S-O-C-K-S.com. And then our books are available on Amazon as well. And um, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that stuff as well.
1: Great. And we'll make sure we link up Cat Socks. Guys, if you want to learn more and see more about these uh, incredible books, check out the link in the show notes. Uh, Ladies, really awesome stuff, really fascinating connecting with you. Like I said, I don't get to do very many one-on-two interviews, so this was fun for me. (laughs) And uh, wishing you guys all the best. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that.